break folks and I took a break. I took a break from working on the podcast because I have been very upset. <laughs> well, last week I was extremely upset. It was very it was a very upsetting week to be a woman in America. We all know what I'm talking about. Um yeah. Uh where do I even begin with that? I don't even know how to scratch the surface on something like that. I am going to be recording a special episode uh, with two friends who I think will help appropriately uh, describe our feelings about what's been going on in this country. Uh, I'm, of course, referring to the town drunk at Legoland, uh, probably likely soon to be confirmed future uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. He's not a good guy, folks. Uh, <laughs> and quite honestly, okay, so we all know what happened last week. There were uh, some hearings that took place in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And I'm sorry that I'm jumping into this immediately, but we got to get down to business. This is a solo episode. I'm recording this in the front seat of my luxurious Honda Civic Hybrid on my lunch break at work because I'm a multitasker and quite honestly, I do not have the income to support an assistant yet. Um, eventually, I will need an assistant for the things I have planned or I'm going to need a boyfriend who um, is just very malleable and will do things uh, for me when I ask. <laughs> Not even malleable, just like a boyfriend who nicely does things that I ask him to do. I've I've had maybe, I had like two boyfriends who were like that, who were, you know, nice and would do things I asked them to do. And one of them uh, is no longer with us, RIP. Uh, I do have his initials tattooed on my wrist in case you're wondering what my wrist tattoo is. Uh, people do ask and inquire, and then when I tell them it's the initials of my dead boyfriend, they usually recoil, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, but quite honestly, we're all going to die one day, and it's fine. Um, this podcast is turning into uh, <laughs> something about not being able to accept your own mortality, and we're only three minutes into it. But folks, it's okay. We're all going to die. And quite honestly, the the thought of dying should give you some type of comfort. You know, when I was a kid, I used to lay awake in bed at night. And I used to think, wow, um, I'm going to be dead one day. And quite honestly, when you're seven years old, that thought can be extremely frightening. <laughs> it really can. Think about it. You're seven years old. You're laying in bed. You're like snuggled in your Aladdin blanket. I had an Aladdin blanket. 
think my sister had a Beauty and the Beast blanket. And I would lay in bed and not be able to sleep. And I'm pretty sure looking back on it, this is because there was so much yelling in my household. Like my parents just, there was so much fighting and yelling. I mean, it was mostly my dad yelling at my mom, just like being not nice to her. Um, so that made an impact on me and there was a lot of chaos in the household and, you know, I would think about death. I would think about my own mortality as a seven year old and I would think, wow, what if you're eternally conscious after death? And I couldn't think of a more terrifying thought. Um, it is October. It's the season to be spooked, to be scared, to be frightened. And what is more frightening than the thought of eternal consciousness. Nothing, really. Um, I've seen plenty of horror movies and nothing comes close to the terrifying thought of being eternally conscious. I saw Hereditary. I thought it was actually pretty funny. Um, A lot of people didn't enjoy that movie. They didn't appreciate it. But I totally sense something funny about it and I thought the director was going for something kind of funny because the just like the actions that kept building in the movie it kept getting like worse and worse and worse and worse there was just something so hilarious about that to me that I I was the only person laughing in the theater and trust me folks I am sane I am uh mentally well I've been in 17 years of therapy. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. So if I ever do get to, you know, have a conversation with Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary, I will let him know that I am in solidarity with him as far as the humorous scenes in Hereditary, one of which involves decapitation and is very funny. (laughs) So stupid. What was I saying? Oh, yes. Um... So when I was seven years old, I used to lay in bed and hope that, you know, once you died, there's nothing, you know, and I and I really hope that's true. I really hope there is nothing after you die. Sorry to disappoint you folks that I uh, don't believe in the afterlife. If that's what you're looking for, go to, uh, I don't know, who's that person who the religious, there's, I don't know, they're all... I don't know. Jordan Peterson probably believes in heaven. Um, I don't. So <laughs> I have a, I have a bit about this I haven't done in a long time. I should probably bring it back. But it was about um, asking my mom as a kid, what happens after you die? And she says that you go to heaven. And I'm like, well, what happens in heaven? And and she says, well, you get to spend eternity with your family. And I'm like, what a fucking punishment that sounds like. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. Um, what, what's going on right now? Oh, Suge Knight got uh, sentenced to 28 years in prison for murder. Not a lot. I think he's going to get out. Isn't he going to get out? <laughs> I don't know. He ran over somebody with his car, which quite honestly, I mean, who hasn't wanted to run somebody over with their car? But I think he also like backed over them. <laughs> Like, he ran over them several times. It's not like he just, like, hit them and ran over them and drove away. But he was, like, backing up over them and running over them. Oh, my God. Like, you just, like, you cannot, like, he, oh, God, he's, I mean, we all know the things that Suge Knight has been involved in. But, man, like, you can't do that. You can't just, like, run over somebody with your car and then back over them and run over them again. And it all happened like in daylight. 
so fucking terrible. Oh my god. Like how can you <laughs> this is so ridiculous. People are ridiculous. That's fine. That's fine. Um Yeah, so the news. So yeah, last week was really difficult for me. Um I was I was extremely um on edge and just feeling a lot of anxiety. And I had to sort of explore within me what those feelings were. And I realized the, I I was basically having PTSD uh, anxiety, PTSD flashbacks, uh, because I did see the testimony of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who um, went on record and testified about her um, sexual assault uh, that she believes was committed by uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And I believe her on this. Um, I also believe that it is possible that he doesn't remember it happening, but I believe he did it. Um, but he, you know, his testimony revealed, if you were watching it, I mean, this guy is basically the town drunk at Legoland. Like he's blocky and red faced and he just seems like an active alcoholic. Um, just all the things he was saying, like, just kind of reminds me of like my drunk father, like an alcoholic father. Um, talking about like how much he loves beer, you know, just getting enraged at, you know, the slightest thing. I think if you're somebody who, who has that type of temperament, if you're easily enraged, regardless of any sort of allegations of sexual assault or impropriety, you just don't have the type of temperament of somebody who belongs on the Supreme Court. It's embarrassing. Like this guy is embarrassing. His wife looked embarrassed the whole time, just like sitting next to him. The, the whole thing was crazy. Um, I mean, and the reason I, I, I was getting so upset was because a lot of what Dr. Ford described about her assault was similar to something that I had experienced. Um, and I don't want to get into too many details on the podcast specifically, but I did post about it on Facebook, uh, privately for my friends. Um, but years ago I was in an abusive relationship where a guy, um, wanted to have sex, but you know, I was saying no, and then it got physical and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I still just have a lot of residual, uh, feelings about this. Um, and I, I don't really want to say too much because of, I don't know, potential, legal issues and also god knows if this guy is listening to this i have no idea um even if he was he like this is somebody who has no ability to admit responsibility um of course if you want to go back in time and think about um what i'm talking about i'm talking about abusive an abusive narcissist basically and we did talk about that um, with my friend Lisa uh, a few episodes ago when we talked about narcissistic abuse. And this was the experience that I was describing is, is that relationship on the podcast. So anyway, um, it's had a lot of long-term effects on my psyche and just the way that I experience things. So it hasn't been the most pleasant process sort of processing uh, these feelings that I have, these residual horrible feelings. Um, and also, you know, social media is horrifying right now. I mean, if you go on there, there's all kinds of, uh, victim blaming, 
you know, all kinds of people being like, oh, well, you know, I don't believe her. Why didn't she report it when it happened? And it's like, well, you're demonstrating exactly why somebody doesn't report when something happens because you're saying you automatically don't believe them. Okay, so a lot of people who are victims, they automatically feel like they won't be believed. So what is happening is this vicious cycle is being created where victims feel scared to come forward uh, because they can be mocked by others or disbelieved by others. And it doesn't create the type of environment that's needed for victims to feel safe. And um, there's just like already a lot of shame around being victimized to begin with that a lot of people don't think about. Um, And it's hard to explain if you haven't experienced it. And quite honestly, if you haven't been abused or assaulted or raped, then, you know, how would you even comprehend these sorts of things? And there are even people who are victims who you know, repress these feelings and don't even know what's going on until much later. And this is all a part of our, you know, our society that sort of, um, well, we don't, we don't, we don't want to listen to victims because I feel like there is this sort of attitude in this country, especially where it's like frowned upon to be a victim of anything, Um, we celebrate, you know, uh, strength and power and success and all these sorts of things. And none of those factors are associated with victims. And, uh, just last night I was reading an article about, um, Janice Dickinson, who wrote an op-ed on Bill Cosby, and it was called Who's Laughing Now? Um, and she said during his sentencing, she laughed at him. You know, because he he wasn't taking it seriously at all. Like throughout the trial, he was laughing, you know, the sentencing, he laughed because he's just like a freaking, you know, sociopath, you know, just like a total sociopath with no sense of right or wrong. And Janice Dickinson, um, you know, who has been notorious, you know, for her, I hate using this word, but antics, I guess, you know, like she's known for being kind of outrageous. You know, she was a reality star. She was a judge on America's Next Top Model. People like think she's crazy. And maybe she is, quite honestly. But somebody made a comment on this article being like, she's the only victim of Bill Cosby I can't take seriously or believe because she comes off as a train wreck of a woman. And quite honestly, maybe Janice Dickinson comes off as a train wreck of a woman because she's endured so much trauma, okay, that her ability to process her trauma has translated into her acting out in various ways that may make other people uncomfortable. And if you haven't read Janice Dickinson's autobiography, No Lifeguard on Duty, quite honestly, if you, some people may not be ready to read this book, okay? Because Janice Dickinson was a victim of serious uh, sexual abuse in her childhood uh, by her father starting from a very young age. So this is a woman who has experienced layers and layers and layers of trauma. Okay. So yeah, maybe she's not going to fit exactly what you think a pro- uh, the profile of a victim should fit. It seems like a lot of people have this idea of how a victim should behave. 
Uh, it's like, oh, I won't believe this victim unless they fit exactly uh, the profile of a victim I that I am comfortable with them fitting. And Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who is a respected uh, person in her field in psychology, you know, educated, uh, married, has kids, you know, I think she lives in Northern California. Uh, she's white. You know, this is the type of victim that... You know, people uh, who blame victims should seem to want to believe. But then, of course, you know, the rhetoric now is like, oh, she's lying. She's lying. So don't even go on Twitter. Don't even bother. It's sick. I mean, people are fucking sick. And I, I don't know exactly what it is. I think a lot of people who make comments on Twitter and Instagram and say things like, oh, she's fucking lying. She's a liar. Like, first of all, these people are losers, obviously, who have, you know, nothing to do in life. You know, they just have time to go on the Internet and make comments on celebrity profiles. Like, could you imagine that? Like, imagine having so much time on your hands that you could go on any celebrity profile on Twitter or Instagram and just make hateful comments. What kind of a person are you? Like you are like what the fuck is that? That is so crazy. Like I barely have time to do everything I need to do in one day. Really? Like I work, I do stand up, I work on the podcast, I have a side job. You know, I do all these sorts of things. I have no time to go on the internet and to make hateful comments. And on top of that, if you're the type of person who is inclined to make hateful, victim-blaming comments about other people that you don't even know, like, you're just pathologically sick to begin with. Like, you're seriously mentally ill. They're, like, people who are mentally ill, that's what they spend their time doing. Like, for, and I don't mean, like, mentally ill and, like... Because we're all, we all like have mental illness to some degree. I mean, people who are like pathologically sick and dangerous do these sorts of things. So anywho, there's an article I want to read to you. And this appeared in uh, Harper's Bazaar. And I think this is really important uh, because this is something I've seen in my life. Okay. Uh, This article is called Why Conservative Women Are Okay With Harassment. And it's by Jennifer Wright. And the byline for this says, It's boys being boys has become a pretty consistent line amidst not just men, but women in the GOP. And this is true. I grew up in a very conservative uh, neighborhood in Colorado Springs um, with a lot of conservative voters. And I feel that uh, a lot of boys would get away with things because of this sort of boys will be boys attitude. So... I want to read this to you. Um, You hear a great deal about feminists being man-haters. However, it appears that conservative women have a lower opinion of men than most liberals would ever dream of. This week, we learned that women in the GOP seem to think that it's very common for men to commit sexual assault. In a CNN clip showing various GOP women talking about Kavanaugh, one remarked, What high school boy didn't do this? For the record, Kavanaugh is accused of attempting to rape Dr. Christine Blasey Ford at a party where she was 15 and he was 17. He supposedly pinned her to a bed. She claims he was trying to attack me and remove my clothing. I thought he might inadvertently kill me. 
So the answer to those GOP ladies is lots. I've known a lot of men who would never dream of doing this in high school or otherwise. If you genuinely think that all men attempt to rape women in high school, the correct response is to be incandescent with rage, or at least fearful for all young women's safety. It is not to shrug and say, that's how it is. That would be like seeing a plague destroy your community and saying, well, plagues will be plagues. Instead, the response seems to be that this is fine. It's not that big a deal. When Barry Weiss wonders, let's say he did this exactly as she said he did. Should the fact that a 17-year-old, presumably very drunk kid, did this, should this be disqualifying? I mean, yes, Kavanaugh is going to be overseeing a lot of rulings that regard the treatment of women. These are men of both parties. There are men of both parties who can do that with who did not try to rape a woman. So, yes, a thousand times yes. This feels obvious to me. But sexual assault is no big deal. It's just boys being boys has become a pretty consistent line amidst not just men, but women in the GOP. In 2016, after Trump was caught on tape laughing about grabbing women by the pussy in a since-deleted post, Sarah Palin wrote, Give me a break. Hillary feigns outrage over Trump's locker room trash talk. It is trash. However, as a former sports reporter, I've heard much worse in locker rooms. That's horrible, Sarah Palin. If men are talking about assaulting women in locker rooms, it's very reasonable to be upset by that. Men who were in locker rooms, a bunch as as professional athletes were upset by that, presumably presumably because they didn't like being grouped in with men who make light of sexual assault. The fact that you've heard that kind of statement and it's familiar to you does not make it okay. You might expect those kinds of justifications from men. When men talk about how every man should be worried, well, that is true of those men who have also committed actions and seem close to attempted rape. Indeed, they should be worried. But these women appear to be engaged in a campaign to make the world worse for themselves. It's deeply counterintuitive. It's like seeing someone get punched and shouting, that's fine, because I've experienced harder punches. That's not productive. Just make the person who is punching people stop. If you, yourself, or people you know have also been punched, it makes sense to want to stop it more than the average person would. That said, a lot of women brought up with very traditional values have learned to tolerate a great deal of bad behavior from men. In part, that's because they're told to see themselves as existing in relation to men. They're a wife or mother or daughter before they're simply a human being worthy of respect. If the way you have worth amidst a group is to exist in relation to a man— then one way you can ensure that you are well-liked by men is to set your expectations of male behavior so low they're essentially non-existent. A man commits adultery? No big deal. He brags about sexual assault? That's fine. Maybe it's even something you say you're into, like the woman who defended Trump's comments about about sexual assault by saying, okay, number one, I think that'd be great. I like getting groped. Doing so indicates that men, the really important people in the world, can totally come hang out with you because you're fun. You're a cool girl, not like those mean feminists. But here's the problem with maintaining that line of logic. Misogynists turn, even on cool girls. If a man thinks that most women are crazy lying bitches, but you're cool, that is not a compliment. 
It is a warning to stay in line. Your difference and loyalty to them will not protect you. It didn't protect the women who worked at Fox, who were basically the Republican ideal for womanhood, from Bill O'Reilly. Nor did it protect them from harassment by Roger Ailes. And when those women do speak out, as Gretchen Carlson did, they're called man-haters who need to learn to get along with the boys. That era needs to come to a close. Over the course of human history, women have learned to get along with boys. Now it's time for them to learn to get along with us. And that will only happen when women of both parties demand decent treatment from men. Wow. I mean, (laughs) that's pretty spot on. Let's be honest, like this whole idea of like, I'm a cool girl, you know, talk about like completely, it's so counterintuitive to to think that way, because basically what you're allowing is you're allowing men to uh, treat other women in a way that is correct and treat you in a way that is not respectful. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. Um... Yeah, pretty upsetting stuff. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like he is going to make it into the Supreme Court, um, of course. I don't know. what. Like, this society is just totally... It really is an idiocracy. Like, that movie is coming true. And that's fine. You know? But I also think that this time is inspiring people to become more politically active and want to do things to fight against, you know, the status quo. I mean, I if anything, this is probably going to inspire, you know, a young generation of, of lawyers. Who knows? I don't know. I might go to law school now. Anyway, um, now for a lighter note, uh, The Voice is back on NBC. <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I do watch The Voice. I do watch it. Um, I do think it's um, exploitative. <laughs> like, I don't like this idea of... I don't know. Okay, so first of all, it's singers who... They, they come on and they sing covers by other famous singers, okay? And to me, when I'm watching it, I'm like, none of these covers are ever as good as the original song. And nobody wants to hear just covers, you know? So that's the first problem with The Voice. The second problem with The Voice is that Adam Levine is on it, and he's boring. He thinks he's so great. I saw Maroon 5 open for John Mayer, um, maybe twice, actually. And they're not that great. I mean, Songs About Jane is like a really good album, but it was their first album and they've never done anything better than that. (laughs) I really don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't know where he gets this, this attitude from that. He's just like the best rock star in the world. Like he's so mediocre. I don't understand anybody who chooses Adam as their coach if they have another choice. Because this season, it's um, Adam and Jennifer Hudson and Kelly Clarkson and uh, Blake. What's his face? Of course. He's suspect. You know, Blake. He he has some narcissist tendencies. You can tell he thinks pretty highly of himself. I hope Gwen is okay. Have you guys seen... um, 
Gwen Stefani's new teeth. They're so big. I, I, I just don't understand. They only come in like, you know, these these celebrity teeth. They're so large. I, I don't understand. Um, Yeah, I'm never going to get veneers. Do they put them? Are her old teeth underneath her new teeth? Is that what it is? Do they just put gigantic teeth on top of your old teeth? Who knows? It's a mystery. It's a mystery to be solved. Um, Venus retrograde. Venus retrograde is starting uh, tomorrow. And I'm not very, okay, I am into astrology, but I'm not like deep into it. Like as former guest Lisa Chenu is. Uh, please listen to her podcast. Um, what's your sign? It's blowing up. But anyway, Venus retrograde, it says here, uh, trouble in paradise from October 5th to November 16th, 2018. Venus retrograde could interrupt the flow of our most important ties or snap us out of a starry-eyed reverie. Since retrogrades rule the past, ex-lovers and old issues can resurface during the six-week cycle. So um, leading up to the retrograde, I feel that I've been like really depressed and sleeping a lot. Um, and I guess this is, um, that, that could be symptomatic of going into the retrograde. So let me read this uh, to you about, this is from Astro Style. Um, Every 18 months, Venus, the planet that rules love, harmony, and compassion, reverses into retrograde motion. This six-week slowdown can be a tricky time for relationships when the headlines blare about shocking celebrity splits and our closest ties are tested. If a bond isn't built of solid stuff, you'll experience turbulence. While it's an opportunity to go back and do the necessary work, you'll see who's willing to put in that investment and who only shows up when things are good, fun, and easy. Eye-opening, to say the least. Put on your warrior of love gear. Whenever gracious Venus takes a leave of absence, politeness can go out the window. You may notice more rude or brusque behavior, and your own irritation with stupid human tricks will flare up faster. It will take conscious effort to be kind and compassionate. On a positive note, Venus retrograde could bring a refreshing pause to the dramatic scripts of our love stories, helping us step back and regain perspective. Are we truly writing ourselves into suitable romantic roles? And if not, what can we do to recast or change a less than stimulating plot line? Damn, that like, I need that for sure. Um, whenever a planet goes retrograde, the directive is to turn inward first, examining our motives, excavating hidden desires, even exhuming a few past demons we haven't fully dealt with. The, pref- the prefix re is where the magic's at. Revive, reunite, repair, restore, etc. This year, Venus will spend the first part of its retrograde from October 5th to October 31st, an intense erotic Scorpio, dredging up power struggles, forcing us to look at intimate ties and dangling tempting yet toxic sex with the next scenarios in front of some of us. Then from October 31st to November 16th, Venus will be back in her home in the sign of dreamy-eyed Libra, the ruler of committed relationships, 
mutuality and marriage. Don't rush to the engagement ring shop or the altar just yet. And be equally cautious about barreling into a breakup. Venus retrograde demands that you take people off a pedestal ha, and see them through the lens of reality rather than with rose-colored filters. That can be jarring at first, but is your chief complaint a deal breaker or is there something to learn here by addressing those issues together? A wise therapist we know once said, it's not that successful couples don't have conflict because they do. It's how they work through it that determines the strength of their relationship. Well, damn. And some of that is really interesting because um, I'm currently not in a relationship. Um, There's a couple of guys who I like, but I'm not. See, I, I enjoy being single when I am single for sure. And I enjoy my alone time. And the next time I get into a relationship, it's it has to be with somebody who really wants to be with me. Because my last relationship, oh, God. I mean, obviously, I mean, he told me he wanted to be with me, but he was obviously, like, lying to my face. And, you know, I'm not a mind reader, obviously. Like, how am I supposed to know fucking anything? But, you know, I, I'm really going to take my time the next time I get into a relationship. And then also, like, I have to be honestly demanding about things that I want. You know, um, you can't just rush into these things anymore. So that's my lesson. Um, and, you know, if my crush is listening to this, and hopefully he is, um, he should text me. And he should also um, buy me a plane ticket. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. So that's my that's my hope and dream for Venus retrograde. You know, maybe 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 I'll have sex. Who knows? I like being celibate though. You know, I'm real focused, real focused on my uh, meditation focused on my work. I'm taking classes. Hmm. I'm doing fine. Everything's fine. Except yesterday I was so suicidally depressed. <laughs> my moods are all over the place. Anyway, um, so I guess that's it for now. Um, this will go up tonight. Today is uh, Thursday, October 4th. I do have shows coming up. I'm going to be in New York for a week, the first week of November. Um, and we're going to have some uh, pretty good uh, interview episodes coming up. I think I'm going to have um, Amir Kabiri on. We're going to talk about heartbreak. So that's going to be an, inter- an interesting episode. And also an episode will be coming up um, where we get more in depth about uh, feminist issues today and fourth wave feminism and the issues with uh, Brett Kavanaugh and why is this such a big deal? Because I know a lot of people don't think it's a big deal, but it is. Okay? So you guys have a good a good Thursday. Okay? And a good, nice weekend. I'm going to try to have a nice weekend. I'm going to see A Star is Born, which is a big deal to me. I've been waiting months to see this movie. Okay? Lady Gaga, our Lord and Savior, I'm coming for you. Okay? And I'm coming for you too, Bradley Cooper. All right? I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Cause you